Hello and welcome to the Mind Money Soul podcast. I am your host, Laura Ann Moore. I'm a money and mindset coach and financial well-being speaker, and my mission is to help you feel good about money and learn how to use money as a tool to live your best life and work towards financial freedom, whatever that means to you. Every week, I explore the emotional, practical, and spiritual sides of money. So if you're ready to get financially confident, grow your money, and achieve your big life goals, then you're in the right place. Change your mindset, grow your money, feed your soul. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mind, Money, Soul. And I'm very excited because this is the start of a four-part series on pensions. I have a lot of questions about them all the time around not understanding them, what the fuck they are, why we need them, all of that stuff. So I'm going to do this in four parts. So today's episode is going to be talking about why we need pensions, what pensions even are, and breaking down into detail each type of pension. Then in episode two, we're going to look at the pros and cons of having pensions and comparing them to ISAs and other ways of building your retirement fund. Fund. In episode three, we're gonna I'm gonna answer the question of basically how much should I be saving towards retirement? And then in episode four, we're gonna touch on pension consolidation. So let us get into it. Question the first question that I want to answer is essentially, why do I need a pension? So when you're a kid, right, you have parents or guardians that are paying for you. They pay your food, they pay for your housing, they pay for all those things for you, or they should be at least, and they're looking after your survival. Now, at some point, you then become an adult, you move out, and you have to pay for yourself. Now, usually that comes in the form of swapping your time for money. So you go and get a job, you're giving your time and your skills in return for money. And at some point over the course of your life, you will have to stop and you won't be able to work for whatever reason. Maybe you are ill, maybe you're just old and you're tired, maybe that, or, or, or even, you know, the sort of more darker side to it is that you are not economically or commercially hireable in the eyes of a lot of employers because of work age prejudice, especially my age prejudice in your industry. Um, but either way, unfortunately, your bills don't just stop just because you're old right? You got, you need a way to fund your life. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just like call the government and be like, Hey Hans, like I'm old now. I've got to stop working. Like, can I just stop paying bills? That'd be fucking handy, but they're not going to do that. So instead you have to have a way to fund your life. Let's just talk a little bit first off about retirement and what it actually is, what it actually means, because your retirement is basically when you choose to or when you have to stop working so that you're no longer swapping your time for money. Now, in the UK, we have the UK state pension age, and then we have the average UK retirement age. They are two different things, and I think sometimes they get modelled up. Now, the UK state pension age is an age that the government has set whereby you will receive the state pension. Now, at the moment, that age is currently 66. It's going to go up to 67 after 2008, probably carry on climbing. Um, This is usually the age that we think about retirement because it ties in with the age that you receive your state pension age. Uh, that you re- receive your state pension. However, there is no actual like set retirement age. There's just an average age. Um, technically, you can retire whenever you want. If you want to retire at 40, okay, boo. As long as you've got the money to fund your lifestyle, you can do that. If you want to retire at 
80, you can also do that if you want to carry on working or if you have to carry on working. Now, in 2011, there was a law that changed that basically stopped employers from forcing people over the age of 65 to, like, quit and retire. And you can choose to work for as long as you like. Now, having a pension is just one way that you can fund your retirement. You can have other retirement income streams, just as having a salary is one way of making money. You can have other income streams. Now, for most people, your retirement income is going to come from three main sources. One, your state pension. Two, your personal or workplace pension. And then any other forms of income. So, for example, like property or from investments, which we will get onto on another episode. So, first off, what are pensions? Now, basically, to put it simply, a pension is a tax-efficient way of saving money for retirement. However, the key thing here to note is that that money in your pension is actually being invested. It's not just being held in cash. It's being invested for you so that it grows over time. Now, the pension is just the product or the account that you use to grow your money. The pension provider is the company that you have your pension with. And the pension scheme is like the type of pension in which you're enrolled onto. So you've got the state pension, workplace pension, and then personal pensions. Now, they're all slightly different and have slightly different features and rules, but they all aim to do the same thing, which is essentially to give you an income when you can no longer work when you old. And when you save that money into your pension and it's being invested for you, when you reach a certain age, you can withdraw that money either as an income, as a lump sum, or as a combination of both. And I'm going to touch on how you withdraw that money in another episode. But like I said, with all pension schemes, your money is being invested on the stock market into pension funds. There are risks associated with investing. Your the, the value of your investments can rise just as well as they can fall. And it's really important to make sure that you're comfortable with that. But the key thing is that I will say that I will say is that if you understand investing and you understand how the stock market grows and works, you will feel so much more confident in how you are building wealth and growing your money over time for your retirement. That's really important. It's important to understand how it works. So the different types of pensions are state pensions. Most residents in the UK that have a job will be able to get the state pension when they retire. And the amount that you get is going to depend on how many years you've been paying national insurance. Workplace pensions. If at any point you have had permanent employment, you will have a probably a workplace pension somewhere. And you could end up with multiple workplace pensions with different providers because each time you have new employment, you get enrolled into a new pension scheme. And then personal pensions. So these are usually best for people who are freelance or self-employed, although you can have a personal pension, um, even if you have a workplace one, which we'll get onto. But it's essentially you are enrolling yourself onto a pension scheme. Now, the other types of income that you can have for your retirement might be investments that you make in the stock market, um, buying property. So if you have a property portfolio, you might sell and downsize your house and therefore you have a profit from what you've made from the equity on the house or you've got tenants and they're paying you an income um, which you get from basically rental properties but the thing about property is that nowadays it is so much harder to get on the property ladder um, and it's a lot less accessible I believe than investing in the stock market obviously I talk about this all the time and I have so many other episodes on investing in the stock market and the feel good investor course is going to be coming back in January I think, in the new year. So if you're interested in learning and understanding, it's going to be perfect for you. 
But pensions themselves are the products and they help you save for retirement. The other ways, if you are investing in the stock market, the other products you can use are ISAs. So like a lifetime ISA or a stocks and shares ISA, which are two other like amazing financial products that you can use to retirement, use to prepare for your retirement. But we will get onto those in the next episode. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down in some more detail the three different types of pensions. So first up, the state pension. The state pension is money that is paid to us from the government when we get older. So the government will pay us the state pension when we reach the age of 66 or 67 after 2028. It could even go up after that. Um, And the highest amount that you can receive is £203.85p per week, which works out to be £10,600.20p per year. It's not exactly a lot. And to receive this full amount, you have to have made 35 years of national insurance contributions, and you cannot claim the state pension if you have paid national insurance for less than 10 years. So, I found this really interesting. So I was like, where the fuck did pensions even come from? Like how did, at some point we went from having no pension scheme, no state pension to having a pension. And I found this quite interesting. So I'm going to share it with you. Now, imagine back in the 1900s, like the start of the 1900s, you've got all these old people, poor people who have to stop working, right? Because they can't, they, they, their bodies aren't, their bodies are failing them. They're getting old, they're getting tired, but they have no money to live off of because financial education, Instagram pages and podcasts were not a thing back in 1908. So back in 1908, which is like, what, just over a hundred years ago, um, they, the government passed the Old Age Pensions Act. Now, before this, there was about 30 years of like public campaigning around creating some kind of public pension scheme. So they were like, right, okay, cool. We're going to give old people some money. But the issue is they set the state pension age at 70, even though the average life expectancy was 45 for men and 49 for women. So they were literally like lows on you guys because you've got to reach 70 and none of you are anywhere near. So um, you had to be at least 70 years old. And I think it was like at the time, 5% of the population were older than that. Now, the maximum payment you could get was five shillings which is 25p. So it was the equivalent of about £30 a week. And there were loads of different rules around the pension. For example, if you had too much furniture, you got less, you got paid less. You weren't allowed to be habitually drunk or of bad character. I don't know who was being the judge of that. Like, this sir is an asshole, and he does not get the pension. Could you imagine that being a job? Um, And you also had to have a certain income to be able to get it. Now, fast forward 20 years, 1928, the state state pension had a glow up, it had a revamp, and it was then aimed at all workers, and the pension age was reduced to 65. And then in 1948, so another 20 years later, when the NHS came along, a new pension scheme was created whereby the pension was available to everybody, um, even employers, and they had to contribute through national insurance, and the pension age dropped to 60 for women. So basically, when you pay national insurance out of your paycheck, um, that money goes towards things such as paying for the state pension, paying for people's sick pay, paying for statutory mental, uh, maternity leave, etc. So that is the power of like, or the importance, should I say, of national insurance. As you're going throughout your working life, right now we are funding, as we pay our national insurance, we're funding the state pension for the old people of today. And that process sort of like cycles and repeats so that by the time that we're older, the younger people will be paying for our state pension if it's around. Because that brings us to the question, where's the state pension at right now? Like what's, what's the dealio? on it what's the plan for the future now what we don't know is how long it's going to last there is a prediction that state pension is going to end in 2033 
So unless you're planning to, well, not planning to, but unless you're about to turn uh, 67 in 2003 and you're going to access that money, it could run out. They might create a new scheme. They might come up with a plan. But the key thing is like, it could run out. So some stats that I thought were interesting, right? In 1908, there were 10 people working for every one pensioner. And now it's just under four workers for every pensioner. So there's less people working to every old person. And there are about 1.2 million people over the age of 70 then. But now there's 8.8 million people over the age of 70. So there's eight times more the amount of old people that are drawing down on a state pension. And to add to this, life expectancy is going up, right? So in 1908, anybody reaching the state pension age was expected to live for about nine years. So they only needed to be funded nine years worth of like retirement funds, income, pension money. But now it's expected that people that are going on to live for another 24 years past the state pension age. So people are hitting the state pension age of 66 right now and then going on to live for like another like 20 odd years. So obviously, the key thing about this is, right, it's going to get more expensive for the government to provide for old people. And even if the state pension does stick around, it's going to cost them more money. We might receive, like, less money in general. um, And you don't know how long you're going to need that money for. So the key thing here is that we do not want to rely on the state pension. So whilst it's a nice to have, if it's around, we don't want to rely on it. As lovely as it would be if the government could look after all the old people, Unfortunately, that's just not the way it works right now. So we have to make sure that we are financially independent ourselves and we can rely on ourselves. So this brings me on to workplace pensions. Now, every time you start a new job as an employee, you get a new pension. They're basically set up by employers and they basically take money from your pay, put it into a pension scheme and the employer will contribute money too. Now, In 2012, October 2012, a new rule came out where if you were over the age of 22, but under the state pension age and earning earning at least £10,000 a year and working in the UK, you would get automatically enrolled into your workplace pension, which kind of was an incredible rule because it changed the face of the way people were saving for retirement. Um, And you can choose to opt out. um, But I think it's like after three months, if you've opted out, they like automatically back opt you in and then you have to like opt out again because they're really trying to encourage people to save for their future. And the best way to do that is throughout your working life to be putting a small portion of that money away for your retirement. Now, the way that a workplace pension works is the employer picks who the pension provider is. You then choose to pay a percentage of your salary into that pension. Your employer will then match your contribution. So um, they add money to your pension too. They have to contribute a minimum of 3%, but they get to choose at what percentage they cap it at. So some um, employers will like maybe have a cap at 16%, some might have a cap of 4%, some might have it at 20 So it's really worth finding out from your employer what their maximum uh, cap is on the contribution. But basically, they match your contribution. Then on top of that money, you receive tax relief on the contributions you make. And then when you're at the pension age, you can access this money. So you can usually take up to 25% as a tax-free lump sum, and then you can decide what to do with the rest of it. So that's kind of how the workplace pension schemes work. And then personal pensions are very similar, um, but they are essentially a pension that you set up yourself. So it's not your employer setting up for you, it's you setting up for yourself. So if you are self-employed or if you are freelance, this is the pension for you out of the options. Um, But also if you have a workplace pension, you can still open up a personal pension and add to it outside of that workplace pension. You can have both. 
Now, talking about retirement, if you are a business owner or if you are freelance, if you are self-employed, in the future, a lot of people will sell their businesses to make money as part of their retirement fund. However, if you are self-employed, you literally are the business. So when you retire, that business no longer has any value, right? Because you're the one like stopping. So this is why it's really, 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 really important to consider opening up and paying into a personal pension and also and or investing money from your paycheck for the future to prepare for your retirement because you don't want to be in a position as a self-employed or a freelance sir where you're like 65 and you're like man I'm tired I want to stop but you can't because you can't sell yourself like you can't sell your business because you are your business and you haven't saved anything so it's really important to think about ASAP. Now, there are um, three different types of personal personal pensions, which is standard personal pension. So this is offered by most large pension providers, and they're most similar to a workplace pension. A self-invested personal pension, also known as a SIP. This is basically an account that you could open with a brokerage company and uh, you get to pick your own investments. So you're doing it yourself. It's not a pension provider. And then something called a stakeholder pension. Now, It works the same. A personal pension works very similar in the way of to a workplace pension, whereby you put money in from your pay, you get tax relief on this money, and then it's like you invest it for the future and you draw down upon it when you're older. But the only thing you don't get with a personal pension is the employer contributor because you literally are the contributor. (laughs) You are the employer. So according to IPSE, only 31% of self-employed people are saving into a pension, which is crazy low, right? It means that 31% of all self-employed people are preparing the other 69%, 69, they're not prepared. That's what we don't want this. So it's really important to think about your options. And if you are a company director or an owner of a limited business, you can open up a self-invested personal pension, pay into it through your company. So they're basically company contributions into a director's pension. And this is a taxable payment. So it can also reduce your corporation tax. Anyway, The key thing about personal finance and maximizing your money is to really understand how to optimize tax efficiency to basically make sure that you can get the most bang for your buck. And this is what pensions can be great for. But it's going to look slightly different for everybody, depending on what type of employment you're in. And we're going to get on to talking a bit more about that in episode three. But I just want to round off this pension, uh, first pension episode, by answering the question of, how much can I pay into my pension? So the government sets a limit on how much you can pay into your pension. The annual allowance for 23, 24 tax year is 60,000 pounds. So you can basically pay up to 60,000 pounds into your pension without getting any tax charges. There's also a lifetime pension allowance, which at the moment is at 1,073,000 pounds of pension benefits that you're allowed to build up. And basically, this allowance covers all the different types of pensions, workplace, personal, all of that. So that's what it's capped at. So this kind of rounds up today's episode on like, what are pensions and why do I need them? And next week, we are going to learn about the difference between pensions and ISAs and the different ways to grow your money. So hopefully you found this very useful, very insightful. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I also just want to say a huge thank you to everybody that listens to this podcast. Um, I have done the Spotify wrapped thing has come out this week. And there are so many of you listening. I was in the top 10 podcast like charts 
for like 3,000 of you. So thank you so, so, so much. And if you are listening to this and you don't follow me on Spotify or subscribe to me on Apple, I would absolutely love you forever if you could hit that follow button if you feel like I'm worth a follow um, because it helps me continue to create bigger and better content for you for free through the podcast. So thank you so much. And I will see you next week for next week's podcast episode on pensions, comparing ISIS v. pensions. Amazing. Love you. Bye.